It has been said that peace is not the absence of war. In fact, show me a kingdom where there is peace and stability and prosperity, and I will show you a king and a kingdom who have been to war. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Hi, today's word is Irene. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, Luke writes, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Irene is translated as peace, quietness, or rest. Technically, the word means wholeness and comes from the verb iro, which means to join or tie together into a whole. This is seen wonderfully in the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, which can be translated anything from safety and favor to health and friendliness. And for this reason, it is a common Jewish farewell that expresses well wishes for another's welfare and even prosperity. And the New Testament, as seen in Luke chapter 2 here, is usually referring to the peace between God and man, or somewhat similarly, peace of mind or peace of conscience that's a result of the forgiveness of sin. But this more specific relational emphasis seen in the New Testament of peace with God and with man doesn't mean that Irene has lost its grammatical or even Jewish roots or connotation. To have peace with God or to be made right with God is, in fact, the key to shalom. We cannot know real wholeness or rest for the soul or safety or health without being first reconciled to our Creator, our Heavenly Father. That things must be made right means something is wrong. The angelic proclamation in Luke chapter 2 was not universal world peace, nor was it automatic peace for everyone right then at that moment. No, this proclamation pointed to the person and work of Jesus Christ to come. This is why the heavenly chorus continues promising peace to a certain group, namely those with whom God is pleased. So, true and lasting peace will be made available via the sinless life and sacrificial death of this Christ child, and that peace will only be extended to those God is pleased with. This naturally suggests, then, that there are those with whom God is displeased and who therefore do not know this peace. And that is truer than we naturally think. In fact, Scripture teaches us that this is true of every last person to ever live. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard. Romans 11 tells us that all are consigned to disobedience and in need of God's mercy. Paul writes this under the inspiration of the Spirit in Romans chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. This is why Paul calls Jesus our peace. We are saved essentially from God by God, from the wrath of God by the blood of God, as Paul describes it in Acts 20. The wrath of God is satisfied. It is propitiated. Our barrier of offense between us and God has been torn down, destroyed, and now, through the forgiveness of our sins, found only by faith in Jesus, 
we are reconciled to God or made right with God or in right standing with God. Or in another word, we are declared righteous before God. The sin that once separated us and made us enemies of God is erased. It's cleansed. It's forgiven. The righteous anger of God that Paul writes about in Ephesians 5 is now placated, it's appeased, and he sees us as he sees Christ. And we know that in the Son, he is well pleased. In this way, Christ is our peace, and we become the recipients of the peace, the shalom promised by the angel army on that very first Christmas. It has been said that peace is not the absence of war. In fact, Show me a kingdom where there is peace and stability and prosperity, and I will show you a king and a kingdom who have been to war. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, for example, on a humble donkey, it was a prophetic symbol of a king who had just returned from war victorious. In the spiritual realm, however, he rode a white horse prepared for battle, perhaps like the one pictured in the book of Revelation. And he was busy in the background defeating our spiritual enemy along with our twin enemies, sin and death. He was at war. Much like the reality that freedom isn't free, peace too comes at a cost and is often by violent means attained against a terrible enemy. This is the case with our spiritual peace. To reconcile and create peace with the world he loved, it was necessary for God to suffer shame, violence, and pain to the end of his human life. Similarly, doing what we must do to have peace with God comes at a great cost to our pride and to our flesh. Repentance of sin, trusting in Christ alone, submitting to the Lordship of Jesus, all of it is nothing less than spiritual warfare. Jesus says, pick up your cross. Paul admonishes the Christian to mortify the flesh. It is true here as well in the spiritual realm that only by killing or neutralizing the enemy do we have peace with God. And by God's grace and because of what Christ has accomplished, we do, in fact, overcome our enemy. So do you enjoy peace with God? That's the question. Do you enjoy the unconditional acceptance we have through Christ that keeps us from constantly striving for his approval? Do you enjoy the comfort and the rest that come from knowing that God is pleased with you and that he is for you, committed to your good for his namesake? Do you enjoy the contentment that comes with knowing that we win because our king wins in the end, that we are now on the right side of the battle lines, no longer enemies with God? And do you enjoy the rest, even in your working, because you love the Lord, and as John writes, his law is no longer burdensome? May these and many more be examples of how we, according to that old church song, have peace like a river in our soul. It comes from a sustainable source, a source of ongoing, life-giving, never-ending, and in life-altering peace.